Welcome to Talk About Tatooine. I'm Andrew. I'm Nathan. And we are twin brothers here to bring you what's new in nerddom and give colorful commentary on our favorite subjects. Welcome to our cantina. Grab a drink and settle in as we set course for realities beyond our own. Welcome everyone to episode 59. Today's recording date is January 27th and this episode will be released on Monday, February 5th. Today we will be discussing the final three episodes of Echo, but first let's start off with our starter questions. Also stick around towards the end of the episode for some nerddom news. Let's start off with what have you been watching recently? The wife and I have been watching a lot of whose line is it anyway? <laughs> and it's just been kind of fun. We literally just like vegged out last night. We went out and got pizza because um, we haven't been able to spend a ton of time together. So we went out and got pizza um, at a place in downtown Puyallup called Wicked Pie. And they make a pretty good pizza. It's pretty tasty. So we went there, got pizza, got some drinks. Uh, came home after picking up some ice cream and then basically just watched Whose Line Is It Anyway until both of us were like half asleep. So it was a very good time. That sounds awesome. Very, very fun time. And it was good to be able to spend time with each other. So yeah, that's what we've been watching. Right on. I have been watching a ton of What If. Our next episode is actually going to be ranking all of the What If episodes. So I've been refreshing myself on that content, especially in season one. I really enjoyed season one. It's good. It's really good. One and two definitely hit a lot different, and I'm trying not to get into my actual thoughts too much because we'll cover that here soon. For sure. But subscribe to the channel if you want to hear uh, what we say about that. It's going to be fun. What games have you been playing recently? I feel like I've been getting my butt handed to me in Jedi Survivor. Ooh. I just got to the point where there's this massive fight in a hangar and it sends like waves of waves of imperial units at you and i didn't really understand the gravity of the situation and so i was burning through my health packs and by the time i got to the end i was like another wave had come out and i was sitting at my last health pack and i realized oh no <laughs> i'm in danger fortunately a lot of other jedi survivor content has been filtering onto my view and a lot of people had trouble with that part, which made me feel a lot better. It actually got captured on our last stream, and I also defeated Rick the Door Technician. Crushed him. Rick the Door Technician? Gotta watch the stream. Oh, you're right. I'll go back. <laughs> I, I mean, I need to edit the stream recap anyway for YouTube, so we'll make sure it gets on there. Although I don't watch the entire thing because it would take... I, I would have to be a full-time editor to watch every single one. Yeah. So. I basically just hope you don't say anything really, really like stupid. And <laughs> then that's pretty much it. So, yeah. As a side note, if people in the comments know relatively cheap or free editing software that they know of and they like using, Nathan and I are looking to split the editing workload. And I've been using Adobe Express Online and it sucks. It's trash. It's super slow. Every time I make a cut into my video, it has to basically reload the entire clip and that takes forever it's super laggy there will be sometimes when i press the play button and it's like a couple seconds before it starts actually playing even though the meter is moving across the timeline yeah that's that's not good you can't work under those conditions it's impossible it's impossible so i currently have in my drafts a bad batch uh, the final season of the Bad Batch trailer reaction where you and I watched it live and reacted. It's hardly moving because I 
can barely make any progress on it. It's nearly impossible to edit in that software, even though it's only it's like a 20 minute clip and I can't seem to find something. So if you, our listeners, know of good video editing software, it doesn't even have to be like the best software. I just need something just a touch better than what I have. Anyway, rant over. I've mostly been playing Minecraft right now, so I've really been enjoying going through my streaming series of the Minecraft Mountain Project. It's been a ton of fun, but my streaming has led to every time I get on, my to-do list gets bigger and bigger <laughs> for like what I want to do. And that's been just a little bit tough just because this has been a incredibly busy week, way busier than I thought it was going to be, even with some days where I just like wanted to chill. It's, it's working out pretty well so far. I'm excited to keep going through and you guys will hopefully be able to see me stream that on Mondays, Thursdays and Sundays. Yeah. If everything goes to plan. So not every day yeah. I'm able to stream, but those are the days I hope to stream. Yeah. And then I stream on Wednesdays. Fridays and Saturdays. I did not stream this morning because I got home at about 1 a.m., 12 a.m. after a D&D sesh. And I was like, I think I messaged our Patreon group and I was like, it's not happening. <laughs> Just letting you guys know I'm sleeping in. <laughs> no. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Let's see. What kind of hobby work have you gotten done recently? So I've gotten a lot of Fun stuff done, but I can't really tell you what it is. I don't like that. Because it's going to be a surprise. I don't like that at all. Let's just say it's going to be probably the most threatening army I have played to date in Warhammer 40k on the tabletop. Is it Orc? Yes. Great. So I'm like, I'm amassing a giant horde of stuff, but I'm not really going to tell you what it is because I want it to be, I want to surprise you next game we play great which speaking of which you and i need to get a game on the calendar just me and you agreed I'll, I'll come down i'll come down to your place we'll get a game going i'll drop the dogs off at the parents <laughs> yeet them through their front door and be like i'm going over to nathan's bye <laughs> fire in the hole not that not that my dogs are really like tornadoes of energy i mean tumness is because he's a lab and he's a little crazy but Barney is not still not super aware of how big he is either. No, he's like, I'm just a baby. I'm just a baby. And then he steps on my chest. And I'm like, my ribs, they're cracking. Oh, gosh, I <laughs> a 90 pound baby. <laughs> I need air. <laughs> he's an 80 pound baby. Well, he's so cute, though. He's been a true oinker these last <laughs> couple of days. since has been swooping in and eating Barney's food. So Barney is like a little malnourished at, at this point. We're trying to get him to eat. And he just like, mm, no, I don't think so. We'll walk away. And then Tumnus swoops in and goes. Rawr, 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 rawr. Theo and Finn do the same thing, except it's more of an alpha dog thing. So yeah. Finn's like, I wasn't really done with that. Well, Tumnus is not the alpha. So it's a strange dynamic. He's just, yeah, he's a little porker. Uh, hobby work for me. I'm kind of, I'm kind of stuck and I've, I've stopped painting for the for the moment and we'll talk about this a little bit later and we'll probably even do a whole dedicated episode on this the new dark angels codex has uh, been previewed by some pretty huge warhammer channels and it has not been good for my army nope um sweeping nerfs across i run deathwing which for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with 40k or aren't familiar with 
uh, Dark Angel specifically, Deathwing is a company of Dreadnoughts, Terminators, and Heroes. So it's it's a pretty elite list. Everything on my list either got removed entirely from the Codex or severely nerfed. Which units got removed again? Uh, the Deathwing Command Squad, which is on my pile of shame right here. So you just have units now that like don't have data sheets? So what do you what do you run them as? Do you have to proxy them as something else? I no, I have no idea. Terminator captains, maybe. Listen, I suck at Warhammer, and I lose a lot of my games. So this is like this like really hurts my heart that my army isn't getting better. Like even even my wife was like, I'm so sorry, because she kn- I mean she knows. I give her the after action report. I'll come home after a Warhammer day and be like, guess what? I lost again. I had fun. But I definitely lost. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen. It's not a great day to be a Dark Angels player. We'll pour one out for you. I'm debating whether or not I'm going to drown my sorrows in liquid courage. I've got some liquid courage behind me, so. I have quite a bit of liquid courage behind me as well. Yeah, buddy. Most of the bottle levels don't move, though. <laughs> All right, guys. Before we get into our next section where we talk about Echo, just want to give a huge shout out and thank you to our patrons, Mike, Isaac, and David. We love every single one of you guys. You guys are the best. You guys keep this thing rolling. You guys are the reason we do this. And honestly, you guys have been a delight to have in the Discord server, do our book clubs with, all that fun stuff. For just $5 a month, guys, you can support us here at Talk About Tatooine so we can do more awesome things like giveaways, game servers, and higher quality content. Thank you all again so much from the bottom of our heart. And with that, let's get into the show. Today, we are going to be talking about Echo. So if you guys want to hear about it, make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. But this is your official spoiler warning. We are talking about episodes three, four, and five of Echo, the standalone series. So this is your chance to get out. You can bail out now. We're hopping right in. Andrew, go ahead and give us your rating, one out of ten of these last three episodes. Yeah, I think my average rating is going to be a little lower than yours. I gave this a six out of ten. I really like Echo as a character. I think she's really interesting. She has grit and a rich backstory, more so than a lot of other Avengers due to how personal her spotlight has been. The show ended in such a way where I don't actually know if we'll see Maya again. And that's an issue. Uh, It left us off with very few loose ends. So I'm worried, is Marvel even going to incorporate her into the story moving forward? Overall, we don't know what Marvel is doing. With the exit of Jonathan Majors as Kang, and that Marvel is not recasting him, we don't know what's going to happen with the MCU. Uh, And my biggest reason, I think, for giving it a 6 out of 10, even though Alakwa Cox did a really good job, is the pacing. It's just for a miniseries. So I think if you had turned this into a a movie and saw it just like all back to back, it would be somewhere between two and a half and three hours. So that's, you know, get rid of the credits, get rid of the intro scene, uh, get rid of the uh, repetitive flashbacks. You're looking at between two and a half and three hours. So a long movie, but it definitely is like a slower build. And I, I just think I just wanted it to be just a little bit faster. I wanted more to happen knowing that 
we don't know when the next time we're going to see these characters is. So I, in, in a sort of greedy way, I wanted, I wanted more and I didn't get that. All right. So as far as my rating, one out of 10, I gave this a seven out of 10, mostly due to the slow pacing. There wasn't a lot of action throughout and there, there were a few intense fights, which I really, really enjoyed. I really like what they did with Maya's character and the lineage that they showed with her. And I'm really excited to see what they do with Fisk moving forward, especially yeah. with how they ended the series. I think that's going to be really, really fun. However, just like you were saying, it's like two and a half, three hours worth of content and not a lot happened. Like that's like watching a Lord of the Rings movie, but like less than a quarter of <laughs> what happened in the Lord of the Rings movie. Like you, you see how <laughs> many plot points happen in Lord of the Rings. You compare that same timestamp to this and you're like, oh, they could have done a lot more with that. So was a little bummed out by the pacing, but other than that, I still enjoyed it. I, I like the point that you brought up is I don't actually know how much we're going to see of Maya's character moving forward. I think this is kind of, this kind of feels like a one and done situation. It kind of does. Like it doesn't, her connection to the rest of the MCU is tentative at best because her only overlap was with Clint Barton and uh, the new Hawkeye whose name I can't remember for some reason, uh, Kate Bishop. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. <laughs> um, well, Clint is like retired at this point, and Kate Bishop, like her timeline has already ended as well in Hawkeye, and we haven't seen her come back. So it's hard to say. I'm like, what is going on over there? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. We're going to talk a little bit about our favorite moments uh, from these last three episodes. Uh, Nathan, can you start us off? So again, with the pacing, I felt like there wasn't a lot of like highlights. I really liked the intensity and the intrigue of the season, but I think definitely my favorite moment was a uh, biscuit committing a war crime with a monster truck. So <laughs> yeah. uh, there was two vans of enemy combatants, about uh, eight people per. And by the normal rules of engagement, running your enemies over in a monster truck is definitely considered a war crime so yeah biscuits uh he he just goes in there like gives his war cry and no one around bats an eye they're like whatever this guy's driving over a truck maybe he's a little drunk or something i don't know and the guys inside are like we just died they i'm like every single one of them i'm like thankfully they didn't show that because it would have been gruesome but he he committed a war crime and i thought that was hilarious i yeah <laughs> yeah for a guy who's really like lighthearted and and stuff. I mean, thing is, is like he did the right thing. Like those people were gonna do. It was gonna be a, a it was massacre. It was gonna be a massacre. Um, and that the the fight gearing up at the powwow at the very end was like a little bit. I would say almost triggering because I'm like big spaces and people like who were on the verge of like getting gunned down. Like, I mean, that's something like horrific amounts of gun violence is something we have to kind of deal with in America, unfortunately. So I was like, Oh gosh, it's going to happen again. Like it's going to be a no Russian situation. And I'm like, I, I'm not here for it. Thankfully he just trapped them or I guess straight up killed them. They might've survived. Oh, they died. No, they died. They for sure died. There's no way they got out of that. And here's the thing. If they didn't die immediately, then they're sitting there like probably bleeding out and broken on the inside, which again makes this a war crime because shooting somebody is not a war crime. Shooting somebody with a shotgun where it doesn't kill you immediately and it makes you bleed out and die, that's a war crime. So yeah, 
Biscuits committed a war crime. He defended his people. So, I mean, yeah, it's hard to. It, it technically hard, hard. wasn't a war crime because he wasn't at war. Right. So in, it's in defense, which weirdly enough, we have some really strange laws about that. But that's not what we're here to talk about. That is not what we're here <laughs> to discuss. <laughs> some of my favorite parts of episodes three, four and five is really like Maya's redemption arc, because Fisk and Maya are struggling with the same inner demons of just this hatred that is eating away at them. But like her redemption arc, I felt like was really special. And if I'm being honest, watching a character with a rich native ancestry get the spotlight felt really good because I feel a lot of guilt for what people who look like us did to the natives of our country. It breaks my heart uh, seeing Alakwa Cox really shine as Maya Lopez. Uh, like it, her job was, or sorry, her performance was very heartwarming. But I don't, I just don't know if we're going to see her again. And I know that's like not a favorite, but like to do such a great job in building her character and then not using her feels wasteful. Right. But I, I also really enjoyed um, the fact that this story did spotlight uh, on a, a native actress. Uh, I know every problem isn't solved, uh, but representation is really important, especially for groups that, again, honestly, have been really brutally subjugated yeah absolutely with that what would you what do you think is going to happen next what are your theories that the mcu is going to expand this into yeah this is this is hard phase three of the mcu because what are we in phase five at this point i don't freaking know phase four was like was like a hundred hours worth of content and it was like what is happening so it's it's felt very disjointed ever since Infinity War and Endgame. I'm just like, what is going on? So it's really hard to see what's going to happen. I'm really curious to see what, what is going to happen next. The MCU is in a really weird place, and I truly don't know where Maya Lopez falls in the larger scheme of things. I have really enjoyed this smaller scale conflict in Marvel. Not everything needs to be like a fate of the world or a fate of the universe conflict. And that's the thing is if like to make a story really engaging, you can either ramp up the scale or you can ramp up the spotlight for a lack of a better term on people's individual stories, because people really like that. But when you give us kind of somewhere in the, the middle where the stakes are low, there's no threat of death their story kind of doesn't matter <laughs> our obligatory dig on ant-man <laughs> <laughs> uh for example i was a big fan of punisher and daredevil and iron fist uh, i didn't get into luke cage or jessica jones and, and only caught a little bit of the defender series um, but the most interesting part of all of that was kingpin fisk has always been fiercely protective of his loved ones and with maya's unexpected healing this has made him unpredictable besides the obvious foreshadowing into his run for nyc mayor okay obvious we don't know what will fill that void in his heart that was once this like boiling furnace of rage for maya herself she's sort of like kind of this paradox like she has been healed of her hurt and but has been shaped by tragedy 
death and hate that has like poisoned her soul so it's like where what is her path forward now because like is she going to is she going to stay in oklahoma and kind of reunite with her family or is she going to join kind of the mcu at large and be a a more impactful member of the galactic scale of things especially now that she has actual superpowers i mean her like (laughs) and during the fight with daredevil at one point she like grabs her prosthetic leg and like winds it up behind her and then whips it in front of her to like kick daredevil in the face and i'm like that would hurt so so bad like she uses her disability to like as just a fierce weapon sorry that was totally an aside but it was awesome i loved it the first time i saw it i went i kind of yipped a little bit i was like oh my that looked like it really hurt (laughs) yeah and this reminds me a lot of the kind of the jarring transition we saw at the end of wandavision into the multiverse of madness because i don't know how you felt but wandavision felt like she had processed a lot of her grief and like had come to terms with it like yes she's really sad but she's like moving through the stages of grief but then multiverse of madness came up and she turns into like you know the baba yaga like a devil straight from our worst nightmares it's like oh she has not processed any of her grief it's interesting to see if that is going to be maya's fate as well i doubt it will be because the imagery of her being healed from that hate was very obvious in kind of in our face um i shouldn't say in our face yeah it was obvious uh it wasn't alluded to where like wanda's was like you have to kind of know the cycles of grief to see like where she is in her journey whether as maya was kind of just magically healed of this emotional damage uh will she continue to process her grief in her kind of perpetual war path or is she going to reunite with her family and become a hero i really don't know but I'm also really excited to see what the community thinks will happen next. I'm not familiar with what happens to her in the comics. So I have no basis and no, I don't know any precedent of what's going to happen to Echo. Right. I am kind of of the opinion that I think she's not going to go anywhere past this. I think that right now, and that's not even, that's not even her fault. I should say, I don't think it's because she did a bad job. I think she did a very good job. Alakwa Cox playing Maya Lopez, but I think the in real life circumstances of the MCU is going to really struggle to put her back onto the screen. I think they're going to have a really hard time with that. I think if anything, she is going to end up maybe in a series three or, or sorry, season three or season four of what if I think she'd be a really good addition there. But at the same time, like she doesn't get her character gets represented, but she does not at that point because she's not acting. She's not signing like you, like a deaf person being in an animated role functionally does nothing. Unless, unless they did mocap of her sign language. Unless they did mocap, motion capture, if you guys aren't aware of her sign language, I think that'd be really cool. But other than that, I think that would be kind of, she would be kind of relegated to the background, which I really don't want to see. I want to see her show up, have her show up in the middle of Hell's Kitchen with Daredevil again, like have them show up. We know Fisk is going to end up as mayor and she's an assassin with superpowers. Like that's, that was her history with Fisk 
is she killed people. She has killed a lot of people. Fisk directly references this. He was like, I was even one of them. You tried to kill me too. And so I'm very interested to see what she's going to do because there is a lot of healing that still needs to happen, like with her and her family. But again, this they've already told us this is a one-off series. So I'm very, it left me wanting more for sure. Yeah. So I'm very unsure of what they're going to do with Alacqua Cox's Maya Lopez. Let's see. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I know speculation is, is kind of the big part of finishing a series is okay. What's going to happen next. I should say that's really only the case with Marvel stuff because like 20 years ago, movies were little microcosms of entertainment in their own little universe. And they rarely bled into other movies. So it's really like, and the paradigm has totally shifted where now everything has its own cinematic universe because Marvel has been so incredibly massively successful doing it that way. Yeah. You've got the MCU, the DCU, SWCU. Like you've got so many different things that are all building their own universes and everyone mm -hmm. expects there to be continuation. There's very few movies nowadays that are like, Hey, this is a one-off unless it's yeah. a documentary or something. It's like, Everyone's always like, okay, what happens next? What happens next? Yeah. But that's more of a statement on our need for consuming entertainment than anything else. And we're not going to jump into that today because that's a rabbit hole I really don't want to go down. <laughs> yeah, it's the unfortunate byproduct of really enjoying a story is oh, it's like, okay, well, now I need more. <laughs> Indeed. Let's see. Would you mind explaining some of the lore from this from these episodes? All right, so I just wanted to bring in just a little bit of continuation of lore from the comic books into this to kind of compare and contrast what is happening so far. And so far, I feel like they're doing a really good job with Wilson Fisk, or Kingpin, as the main villain of this story. Where we left off at the end, again, if for some reason you guys paused at the credits, you guys should know better and on a Marvel <laughs> TV show or movie and watch it all the way through. But... Kingpin is sitting in his plane and he is watching an ad or uh, essentially a newscast of people debating, well, who's going to be the next mayor of New York? There's this hole and they're like, we need this like bare knuckle brawler who's kind of like an outsider. And you're like, OK, they that's that's Kingpin. Like he's a criminal yeah. and it's literally so has killed nose. people with his fists. So it's super on the nose. So if you miss that, um, he is going to become mayor most likely there. There's no way he's not in the comics. He does become mayor. And mm. one interesting thing is in the comics, Matt Murdock, not daredevil, Matt Murdock becomes deputy mayor. And so they're working together, but Matt Murdock huh. is working together with the intention of taking down Fisk from the inside of like gaining Intel on him. But at the same time, Wilson Fisk outlaws being a vigilante. He's like, Hey, this is absolutely not okay. And so you now have Matt Murdoch trying to do a lot of work where daredevil cannot. So there's a lot of conflict that is going to show up in New York and hell's kitchen. So I would expect in future projects, we will see more of Fisk, as he continues to be mayor, but also he's sort of been healed, but not. So he's super conflicted and he's a wild yeah. card right now. I think he's got so much confusion in him right now. I sense great confusion within you, Anakin. Um, and so he's going to be uh, just a problem for the MCU and the characters of Hell's Kitchen and the Defenders. 
I mean, to clarify, vigilanteism is already illegal. I'm guessing he just made it more illegal, like more severe punishments sort of thing. Yeah, there's basically, yeah, they hunt down vigilantes. So more severe punishments actually enforcing the law. Yeah, you you cannot being a vigilante in real life is illegal. (laughs) Super illegal, even though Batman is like my favorite all time superhero. Yeah, he's pretty cool. One of the I guess something I want to talk about that's not lore. Uh, but it's actually a real life event. And I don't know if I talked about this the last time we did an echo review, but in real life during the Irish potato famine, uh, the Choctaw nation actually gave a sizable donation to, uh, to the Irish during that famine to like help them through it. And there's actually like a monument in Ireland uh, commemorating their donation Uh, during that time which probably saved tons of people Uh, and at this point the Choctaw Nation and the Irish they have like sister cities and that's just that's just something I I wanted to point out that that's super cool and especially since we have Irish heritage that it's so interesting to see that the Choctaw Nation if they hadn't have given that I'm wondering Hey, thanks for keeping our ancestors alive. Yeah, thanks for keeping (laughs) our ancestors alive. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Uh, While I uh, didn't choose to exist, I think I would prefer to exist than to not exist. I would agree. Let's go into our last portion before we hit news from the Net. Andrew, if you have any, give us your least favorite parts of these last few episodes or the series as a whole. There's not really much else about Echo that I thought was glaringly bad. Like, oh, that didn't make sense, or oh, it wouldn't have gone down that way. I just, I just wish it would have been a little bit faster. And I'm not even sure where they would have improved that. Uh, there's a lot of like speculation, or hmm, never mind. I had a not formed thought, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it be. <laughs> All right. I would say probably my least favorite part of this series is the lack of actually getting to see Maya's power, because they basically each episode is a step further into the future of her ancestral heritage and of all of her ancestors doing these cool things and using powers. And she barely uses her powers. She basically transfers super strength, like temporary super strength to Bonnie and her grandmother at the very end in that fight scene. So they're able to overpower Fisk's henchmen. And she has the healing power that her mother had but they don't really expand on her powers. Like does each subsequent generation get new powers? Has every generation been able to heal? Is it just from her mother onwards? I don't know. So I wish they would have spent more time like actually playing with her abilities because I think they're really, really cool. Like in the comics, she was able to use fire. So I'm like, why? I don't know. Where's that? Where's the fire? So I don't know. I wish they would have done that more. And I didn't really like that a ton. I was kind of expecting her powers to show up on maybe like episode two or three. And they really didn't functionally show up until like episode five. And that's actually something I kind of struggle with in Marvel is when a hero's power set is cosmic in origin, power scaling wise, it's all over the place. All over the place. Makes no sense. And as a person who like reviews stuff and is kind of a lore fanatic... Anytime something happens in Star Wars, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I I immediately go into my mind palace and go, is there a precedent for this? Or where have we seen this before? Or is this totally new? 
and it's and that sort of lore psychosis is hard to break out of yeah so seeing kind of those incongruencies between oh this person was this powerful in this movie or oh this person was this powerful in this movie is really hard for me to grasp the best example captain marvel she's broken she's well she's broken but then she gets her butt kicked in some places i'm like and at one point i think nick fury says her punch is like the force of like 10 nuclear bombs like you can't you can't throw stuff in there and have her punch anyone and have them even be alive yeah like if thor can decapitate thanos then captain america punching thanos in the face should have atomized his his whole body or captain marvel yeah captain marvel sorry right <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense like anyone she go like she should be the is it i'm trying to remember is it deus ex machina deus ex machina yeah deus ex machina uh basically the what is that it's latin for ghost in the machine i think and it's the liter is that the literary term where something comes out at the end and just like saves everything saves the day yeah. yeah or am i thinking mm -hmm. of the Chekhov's gun of just the item that comes into play later uh Chekhov's gun is sort of similar Chekhov's gun is where you see uh, a character like holding an item and it will come back later to be impactful in the story like something not necessarily like nondescript or or nothing but like any it, it can sort of be boiled down to anytime the the hero interacts with something or acknowledges something's existence even for however briefly it's probably going to be important later i feel like captain marvel is kind of used in that way where she's the doest do i cannot pronounce that right deus ex machina where she's like hey i show up and i fix problems and i'm like cool you're too powerful like honestly if the mcu is going to continue and they're going to fix their power scaling galactus needs to show up and he needs to break captain marvel's neck because then the humans are like what do we do our infinity stone warrior is no longer alive yeah <laughs> and then they have and then then the threat is real then they've scaled everything and they have to figure stuff out so i don't know i just mm, i don't like how some of the characters are obviously broken like it's you you can't have a nuclear bomb running around and be like, oh, it's fine. We can handle her. But then, you know, Hulk is the thing that they take all these different precautions for. But they're like, we're not even going to try with Brie Larson's character. She's like, yeah, she could kill us anyway. We're not even going to spend the resources. So, yeah, that's actually something that Marvel really struggles with. And I could do an entire honestly do an entire episode's rant on how characters affected by Infinity Stones are not consistent um like scarlet witch is really really powerful and like she gets what is she yeah the mind stone creates her well the mind stone also creates quicksilver who's not that powerful and it also creates vision who vision is really powerful at some points and then totally gets destroyed at other points mm -hmm. in infinity war when the black order shows up they absolutely he gets his virtual butt handed to him. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you didn't even put up a fight and you have a laser that comes out of your head that can cut through anything and you still lost. Like, it's a laser. Just like, he should be just around, like, just zapping everything. Like, I'm sure there's probably like a 10 minute episode of how it should have ended for any time Vision shows up on screen. But anyway, I digress. 
all that being said, characters affected by Infinity Stones are not consistent, and it it, it bugs me. It really bugs me. All right, guys, coming up next, we're going to move into news from the Net. We've got just a couple of pieces of news we want to throw your guys' way, so we're officially shifting away from Echo and into the overall world of nerddom. So first piece of news we've got for you guys today is Microsoft actually goes through a huge round of layoffs mm -hmm. because of the Activision Blizzard acquisition. Now, from what I saw from the uh, title of the article and like only very much skimming it, not going into it, so I apologize if I'm missing something, this was a 9% layoff of the Microsoft Gaming staff. Uh, they started with an initial staff of 22,000 people. And so 9% got laid off. Huge layoff. That's a ton. So almost one out of every 10 people in that portion of Microsoft got laid off. I get it because when you have when you merge two companies that are both responsible for doing a lot of the same thing, you're going to have a lot of redundancy in a yeah. lot of areas. And so I get it. Do I like it? No, I do not. I do not like it. And that's, that is going to make people's job harder because there's already people who manage certain workloads. So not super stoked for this. I wish it wasn't that way, but that is what happened. Yeah. No one ever likes mergers. Um, and there's usually a lot of turnover when it comes to mergers and acquisitions. It's like, oh, a new boss comes in. I should probably update my resume because this might be the end. Uh, next, I want to talk about uh, if you guys have been kind of keyed into like gaming culture in general, uh, there's a new game called Pal World out, uh, which is totally not a Pokemon game, but it, it literally is Pokemon with guns. Uh, it has exploded in popularity uh, and is actually currently under copyright investigation from the Pokemon company. As of today's recording, which is uh, January 27th, charges have not been filed, but they are looking into it. So it'll be really interesting to see. Is Pal World going to survive? Are they going to find enough? And here's the thing. I am not going to pretend to understand copyright law. I think it's stupid. I mean, sometimes it's stupid. Sometimes it's not. You know, people's intellectual property needs to be protected. But, like, it also gives a lot of leeway for, like, large company to be total dicks about stuff. And I don't really root for the big companies. I root for the little man. Anyway, we'll keep you updated on Pal World and a potential Pokemon lawsuit. I do kind of want to play Pal World, though. It looks really fun. I know. I do, too. <laughs> Another piece of news we have in the Star Wars universe is Daisy Ridley comes out and says some really cool stuff about the story arc of Charmin Obeid Chinoy's new Star Wars script. So Daisy Ridley got interviewed. So when she was making the Skywalker saga, she was only 20 years old. Very, very young. She's in her 30s now, which tells you how much time has passed from the beginning of... Uh, like making those movies in now 10 years. So crazy. And she says, quote, these movies look cool as shit. <laughs> so the fact that Daisy Ridley, a more mature Daisy Ridley is coming out and saying that these movies look awesome is really, really high praise. I'm very, very excited for it. Now, that being said, will I get my feelings hurt if they cancel this project? hundred percent. Yes. 100%. I'm very excited about this. And there has been some questions after reading the article of people saying, oh, well, are you going to feel weird about making uh, making a movie without the characters of Poe and Finn? And she's like, no, like like they can 
like we don't have to all be paired together like they don't all need to follow the same story arc and honestly i wouldn't i would not be i wouldn't even be mad if finn and poe's characters just don't come back in these movies because daisy ridley is working on building a jedi order neither of them are jedi even though when that first came out we all thought finn was going to be a jedi right we were like ah cool stormtrooper jedis and that never happened so well even though uh, he's sort of force sensitive but yeah who knows in the star wars lego holiday special he is a jedi which is not canon so it doesn't matter but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i hate that so much so it, it is what it is but daisy ridley does have praise after she read the story arc of obeyed Shinoi's script for this movie yeah. so mm-hmm. super excited about it make sure you guys keep your ears open for more star wars news and the upcoming movies that we're hopefully going to see in the next 10 years before the heat death of the universe for sure uh the last thing i wanted to touch on which i have also mentioned at the beginning of the episode uh this is in Warhammer 40k news. The Dark Angels are getting a lot of Codex reviews uh, on some of the leading YouTube channels. Uh, 40k and 40 Minutes actually did gameplay of the new Deathwing, uh, Deathwing Assault. Uh, worth a watch. Hurts if you're a, a Dark Angels player. That's all I'll say. Right. And then Vanguard Tactics actually reviewed the Codex because they got their hands on it. Uh, the short of it is that Dark Angels, in my opinion, didn't get treated very well. Big changes in Ravenwing for the better and Deathwing for the worse. We will do a deep dive on this codex for the Dark Angels as well as the Tau and Orcs as soon as we have that information available. So make sure to sub if you want to keep up to date on Warhammer 40k news. Thank you every single one of you guys for watching. Every single one of you is fantastic. We are going to finish up here. So make sure you guys leave your theories in the comments. What do you guys think is going to happen with Echo? Do you think they're going to take this on further? Or do you think this is just going to be a one and done series? Well, it is a one and done series. But do you think Echo's character is going to remain exactly where she's at? If you guys are fans of Warhammer or anything that involves hobbying, feel free to share pictures of your models or projects on Twitter or Instagram, or shoot us an email at talkabouttatooine at gmail.com if you have a question you want featured on air. Make sure to subscribe and like this video so the algorithmic overlords will slice this video into the feeds of other like-minded folks. And until next time, may the force be with you.